Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeVillipo. Joined tonight by my co-host, Matt Filipovitz. Matt, what's going on? Bill, I'm good. I am already nervous about what's going to happen on Saturday, and that's never a good place to be. But I made pizza last night, and that was actually quite lovely. So we're in, a, yeah. we're in an overall net positive so far for the weekend. There you go. I, I uh, did laundry today, and that is my least favorite, like, around the house thing um, around the apartment thing like I just don't like doing laundry for some reason so uh, I'm in a bit of a sour mood and what better thing is there to uh, remedy a sour mood than having to talk about the least aesthetically pleasing college football game that there is well Matt what is your least favorite thing to do around the house so let's uh, let's pe- let's peel back the curtain for our listeners uh, I don't like to use the um, like Swiffer extension to get my ceiling fans I think that's annoying uh, I don't do yeah. it very often, but when I do, I feel like I have to do it because otherwise dust gets up there. Yeah. Uh, especially because how little the fans run here for a majority of the year. Uh, I don't like doing that. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I like I'm fine with those sorts of things. It's the like labor intensive stuff of like having to load, throw all my clothes into the basket and then into the car and then drive it. But like I, I, I just I, I'm annoyed by that. But I do understand where you're coming from with that one. That does uh does seem like a bit of a nuisance. Also, uh, washing dishes. No good. I hate washing dishes. Oh, we have a dishwasher here, and we didn't have one in college, and what a game changer Brothers, this is. I use it. It's amazing. I have a dishwasher, too, and let me tell you, that is that is much better than the dishwashers that the Lord gave me in uh, these two hands. Uh, we could probably keep talking about this if we felt like it, but uh, people would unsubscribe. Uh, please subscribe to us. The real the chore podcast. is coming up in about 24 hours. Yes, that's true. Uh but yeah, you're here to listen to us talk about Penn State and Iowa. And oof, this is, Matt, the biggest regular season game that Penn State has played since. I don't even, I think you can make the case this is the biggest one of James Franklin's tenure. Um, going to Columbus in 2017 is probably the other one I'd put up there, but like, this is a game that could legitimately make Penn State go from a team that people think is re- pretty good to a team that is cemented in the college football playoff conversation. Yeah, I'd say this is the biggest game of Franklin's tenure. The other you know, competition, you, like you said, was probably 2017 Ohio State. But if you think about the context surrounding that team, Penn State was number two. They were coming off the Big Ten title season, so everybody kind of knew they were good. I feel like there's still a lot of skepticism surrounding this 2021 Penn State team. And going into Iowa, going to Kinnick can really put a lot of that to bed. There's also the element that I think, I don't know if we'll talk about it too much, but if Penn State wins this game, they're three. I think three is probably their ceiling for the season, at least in the regular season. So in the sense that you can hit your ceiling early, I don't know if that's exactly a good thing, but this is the week to do it. Um, so it's kind of two lines of thinking in the sense that you can cement yourself as that potential playoff team, even though you have a, a just absolutely brutal late October and November looming. Uh, but the other line of thinking is you don't want to peak too early. And, uh, and unless Bo Nix somehow Houdini's his way to a win, I don't think George is losing again until the SEC title game. And even then they might not lose. Yeah, exactly. And you know, who knows what, what that'll even look like. So it's a chance for Penn State to hit its ceiling, which is always good, uh, but the timing is just is just very weird as a whole. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think you and I probably agree that college football this season, how, how do I want to phrase this? Um, there are two teams that I think you and I probably agree are head and shoulders above everybody else. So then it's a matter Georgia of... Georgia and Kentucky. Will Levis, God bless you. You, <laughs> you, you weird, weird, uh, digestively strange man. Um, but yeah, it's those two teams. It's Alabama, it's Georgia. And then there's a bit of a drop off. And then it's that next thing of everybody else. And I think this is an opportunity for Penn State to say, when you look at that everybody else, the team to beat is Penn State. I mean, Iowa, we're getting a chance to beat them right now. Cincinnati, good football team, but they're not going to have anything on their schedule like heading into Kinnick. Oklahoma, again, Ohio State, uh, that Oklahoma is kind of that similar thing. I, I think Oklahoma might be a bit of a paper tiger this year, neither here nor there. Ohio State has a loss on its schedule this season, but Penn State's going to get them and Michigan. Like, this is an opportunity where the team that wins this game is going to be able to say with some level of confidence, and I hate this mentality because it is something of a loser mentality, but I think it's also just recognizing the reality of college football this season. We are the best team that is not one of the two teams that are head and shoulders above everybody. That just like nobody is going to be able to match up to this season because Georgia and Alabama are just disgustingly good. Um, having said that, though, Matt, Penn State number four, Iowa number three. Uh, total for this game is 41. Iowa is a one and a half point favorite. That line has moved around quite a bit uh, since it. First open, and it was something like Penn State minus two, uh, then ended up moving as far as I think Iowa minus two and a half, now settling to uh, Iowa one and a half. Before we get into anything about the game itself, Penn State matching up with Iowa, Iowa matching up with Penn State, specific players, anything like that, just generally, how do you feel about this football game and, you know, in the, the broadest way that you can think about it? I don't feel great. Um, this is a very stressful game because it's going to be ugly. Iowa's a team that tries to make you play ugly, and they're very successful at that. There's a, there's a lot that I think Penn State can do to prepare. There's a lot I think Yurcic has in his playbook to be successful. But this Iowa team is insanely, insanely good at what it does. It doesn't mean they're a great football team, but they're good at what makes them win. And those are two different things in my mind. So the fact that Iowa has played down to some opponents is a little bit of an opportunity, I think, for Penn State, because I think that there are clear opportunities and clear situations where Penn State can exploit their weaknesses and probably get some points on the board. But overall, this is just one of the most well-coached, sound teams in the country. And for a Penn State, state, Penn state team that, like, let's be honest, they still have some of the stink of 2020 on them. Like, I get that they're, what is it even, 9-0 in their last nine games, 5-0 and on the season. There's still some of that cloud around this team. And I don't love going to Kinnick to try to finally shake those final demons off. I also said on the recap pod for Indiana, I don't love that Iowa had a Friday game and an extra day to prepare. So there's also that whole element of it. I, I just, I'm... This is probably the game I feel the most concerned about for the season so far. And considering how well they performed, you know, to this point, that's really saying something about how talented I think this Iowa team is. Do you think it's a matter of Iowa being 
you know, just – this is – I'm not trying to sound disrespectful here. Do you think it's a matter of Iowa being a talented team or do you think it's a matter of Iowa being a team that just understands what it wants to do better than anyone? I think it's a bit of both. Like like I said, Iowa doesn't – Iowa beats you the way they want to beat you and that takes talent to do that. Like there, there are good players for Iowa on both sides. And again, are they the most talented team Penn State's faced so far this year? No. But considering what they're able to do with the talent they have and how they beat teams, that's what makes me so concerned. It's not even like the fact that they have they can out-athlete Penn State because few teams can, but it's the way they make you play and the way they put their guys in position to succeed that, that makes this team so dangerous. I, I, I think I agree with that. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that Iowa is a team of schmucks or anything like that because that's obviously – not the case, but I think the thing that makes Iowa so difficult to play against, such a tricky team, is that – how do I want to phrase it? They, I mean, it's just a matter of they've been so good at imposing their game plan on every single team that they have played this season. I mean, they have made – you know, it doesn't look quite as good in recent – uh, weeks, uh, but they made Indiana look helpless when they played against them. They dragged Iowa State through the mud when they played them. And Kent State and Colorado State, you know, kind of, uh, you know, you're just kind of blank slates on that one because you should beat those teams. And then Maryland, they went into uh, they went into College Park and just dragged them around. They're just a team that has such a clear identity. And the thing that fascinates me so much about them, Matt, is the stuff that we've gone on about, about where they're starting their drives, uh, how they're able, how they're you know getting short fields and explaining, but like all those sorts of things. I don't think Iowa is necessarily a team that is going to come out and run the air raid or, or anything like that and really catch Penn State off guard. I think. It's a, a thing that we've said plenty of times. Iowa knows exactly what Iowa wants to do. But I also feel like we haven't seen them really have to play yet. And you can kind of take that one of two ways. You can either take that as we haven't seen Iowa in this sort of game. And as a result, they are going to collapse once they are put in that sort of game. Or you can take that as this is an Iowa team that they've gone two plays, two pages into a five page playbook. You know what I mean? Like there is a, a, the potential exists, I will say for Iowa to be able to come out and play a football game that they just have not played this year and play it very well. Do you think that is a reasonable concern? Honestly? No, I, I don't. I don't think Iowa or Brian Ferentz or Kirk Ferentz is the kind of program, kind of coaches, kind of team that hide things or don't, don't play at a certain gear based on the opponent. I, I made this point earlier in the in the offseason, preseason, whatever you want to call it, about how why I was more concerned about Iowa than I was about Graham Mertz. It's because I think Iowa knew what they had in Spencer Petrus more than Wisconsin knew what they had in Graham Mertz. So I think Iowa has always known what the game plan is 
And because Spencer Petras' limitations, they just rep that same thing over and over and over again. I mean, sure, you're going to get them to make mistakes, and, and, and that's a big part of Iowa's defense is forcing offenses into mistakes. But as a whole, I don't think this team has more than maybe one or two gears. And their goal is to get their opponent to play in one of those two gears, and it works. So honestly, I don't think this Iowa team offense especially – has a new level to take it to that's going to be able to catch a lot of people on the Penn State sideline off guard, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I What I think I more mean is they haven't really had to get to that second gear. Uh, they, right. Yeah, they, they, I, I, right. I, I still don't think it's here. I still don't okay. think they have it. Um, yeah. It's kind of my broader point because I think they are able to make everybody play at gear one so often that there's no need to ever create gear two because why, why stop a good thing? Yeah. Yeah. I, I suppose that's a, that's reasonable. I mean, I'm, I'm worried about this game in that. God, how do I want to say this? It just feels like a weird game. Like there is, I think if you took these two football teams and you put them man for a man and you put coaching man for a man and you, you know, looked at the recruiting rankings. You look at what they've done so far this year. You look at all those sorts of things. I think you would, I don't want to say comfortably pick Penn State, but I feel like you'd be a lot more comfortable in picking Penn State than it seems like a lot of people are. But what I would say is that there's just that extra factor of having to go to a tricky place to play against a team that legitimately seems like it feeds off of that environment. And also, you know, this is a a fun little twist in this season. They haven't had like that Indiana game was over pretty quickly, but their other two big games, I also think that Indiana game was a noon kick, but I'll double check that their other two big games Iowa State and Maryland were on the road. They have not seen Iowa play a good football team at home yet this season. Uh, the Indiana game was a 3.30 kick, so I apologize. Still, they haven't seen Iowa play a game where they need to bring that little bit extra this season. And it's just like bad vibes off of that. Even though, like I mentioned, Matt, and this is where we'll start getting into the game a bit, I think if you just look at these teams and this game, we should probably feel good about as good as we can feel about going to Kinnick against the third-ranked undefeated Iowa team. Do you think that's fair? I think so. I, I, a big point for me, at least thinking about the game this week, is this is Sean Clifford's third trip to Kinnick and his second as Penn State's starting quarterback. He traveled with the team back in 2017 um, when Jawan Johnson silenced the entire state, uh, Cliff went in there and won with a freshman running back doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And now he goes back playing the best football of his career with a great new offensive coordinator and Jahan Dotson and Kayvon Lee behind him and in front of him, I guess, for lack of a better term. So I, that's something I think is get talked about enough is that this isn't a place that's foreign to Clifford. Like he's, he this is, again, he's been there multiple times and has already started and won in Kinnick stadium. So that makes me feel a little bit better. Like, I don't think that the jitters are going to be there and, 
this is only road game number two, which is absolutely crazy that it's only road game number two. But he didn't look rattled uh, at Wisconsin, and, and Camp Randall's a tough place to, to, to go. And now that I think he's had time to settle in more at home, get his feet under him, I don't think we're going to see him be all that rattled by what should be a, a pretty hostile crowd. I'm glad you brought up that 2019 game, Matt, because I, you know, as we're going to, let's start diving into this game a little bit. The big thing is whether or not Penn State is able to avoid mistakes. And as I'm looking at this box score, um, yeah, I don't think we need to look at the 2017 box score because that was basically three versions of Penn State football ago. But that Iowa team outgained Penn State by 62 yards. But. Oh, and there's another thing. Penn State penalties. Penn State, eight penalties, 80 yards. Iowa, one penalty, five yards. But Penn State was really good on third downs. 10 for 19. Iowa was eight for 18. So Penn State was more efficient and picked up more third downs. First downs Penn State were, is not good, has not been good on third downs this year. They haven't yeah. been great. Yeah. First downs, tw- basically even. 21 for Iowa, 20 for Penn State. Passing yards, Iowa had 286. Penn State has 117. Rushing yards, Penn State had 177. Iowa had 70. The big thing and the entire, what I think the bulk of our conversation is going to be about was Iowa turned the ball over twice. They lost a fumble once. They threw one interception. And you go back and you look at those. Penn State was able to get three points off of the fumble and seven points off of the interception. Penn State won that game 17 to 12. The other thing is that Penn State did not turn the football over in that game. So, like, in a way, I almost think that 2017, uh, not 2017, 2019 game with the exact same guy at quarterback, even though there have been plenty of other differences, is basically Penn State's road block, roadmap to winning this game, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't disagree. What was the score last time? Was it 17-12? 17-12. Um, oh, God, what a gross score. Well, what— How do you get 12 points? They scored so a touchdown. They Two field goals, uh, and then the touchdown that they scored, um, it was 17-6. to six. They scored the touchdown. They went for two to get it to 17-14. So if they converted an onside kick, they would, uh, they would be able to just kick a field goal. The onside— Ah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's where— uh, that's how that's how Iowa did that. Um, God, that that's one thing that's like been stuck in my mind. I feel like when we predict scores for this game, we have to make them a little bit weird because that's just what happens here. But yeah, that's where that's where I'm at. I think that this game 100% comes down to, and I feel bad saying it's out of Iowa's hands because they're the home team and they're very good. If Penn State is able to avoid making mistakes, if Penn State is able to avoid making this task harder than it is, I think they have a pretty good chance of winning this football game. I mean, yeah, that's going to be the key for Penn State no matter what, is is making it as easy as they can for themselves because Iowa is going to stop you. Iowa is not going to gift you any favors, especially defensively. So Penn State really has to beat Iowa. And then more importantly, they have to beat themselves. They have to make sure that they are, uh, that's a really bad use of that term, but you know what I mean? They have to make sure they do not create their own bad luck is, is what I'm trying to get at there. So it's going to come down to, can they hang on to the football? Can Clifford make sure he hits the right guys? Because let's be honest, multiple guys are not going to be open. Like 
that is not something this Iowa secondary allows. It's going to be one throw more often than not, and Cliff has to hit it. I think it's going to be a lot of tight ends. I think it has to be. I think I would not be stunned if Iowa put two guys into Han Dotson because that's what I would do. So after a, a pretty light week for the tight ends the past few weeks, I want to see them get more involved and then just really see how things shake out. Yeah, but if Penn State wants to win, they have to make sure that they do not shoot themselves in the foot. And thankfully, when they go to Kinnick, they don't. But it's not like that's something we haven't seen happen to this team in recent years. So Yursich has to call the game of his career. And even with that, I don't think Penn State's going to break like 20 points. So the fact that the game of your career is only going to probably net you somewhere like 14 to 17 points is pretty ridiculous. But that's how good this Iowa team is. So it's not going to be a high scoring game. It's going to be a slog. And really, Penn State just has to have sustained drives. And if they don't, they have to get at least far enough to where Jordan Stout can flip the field and, and really pin the Iowa offense back and hope the defense can can finally make good on some big plays and get some really meaningful turnovers. Oh, we'll be talking offense, uh, punters, baby. Don't don't you worry. But let's start by talking about Penn State's defense against Iowa's offense, Matt. And I have I, I don't think you can do anything but feel really good about Penn State here. I mean, Penn State, if even if Penn State's defense wasn't elite, which it is. Iowa's deep offense has not been particularly good last year. Tyler Goodson at running back, 99 carries, 430 yards, five touchdowns, backup Ivory Kelly Martin, 32, 153, uh, and has not scored on the season. Goodson actually was Iowa's leading rusher uh, in that 2019 game, carrying it eight times for 35 yards, with 29 of those coming on one carry. Spencer Petrus has... uh, you know, he hasn't had to do a ton this season, but uh, 85, 137, 943 yards, 62% completion, seven touchdowns, one pick, and 11 sacks. Uh, their top receiving option is their tight end, Sam Laporta, but they don't exactly have, like, gaudy numbers anywhere in their passing game. Matt, to me, it is very much as simple as, I think Penn State, the bet that I am willing to make in this football game, is that I think Penn State is going to get Iowa, you know, if Iowa gets 10 possessions, I would bet that on eight of them, Penn State is able to get them off the field in one first down. Like, I think Iowa can pick up one first down, and that is, like, their ceiling on the drive. I think they will be off the field six plays or fewer. I think Penn State's defense has the potential to put on a show here because I think they just match up really well against a weak Iowa offense with a weak offensive line and a quarterback that hasn't really shown the ability to torch opposing teams. What do you think just when you look at this side? Because I think this is a little bit easier to decipher than the other side of the football. Oh, for sure. It's for sure easier to kind of figure things out. Honestly, I'm not on the coaching staff, but if I was, what I would do is I would play three defensive tackles and then Arnold Epichetti um, as your starters. I would put probably Derek Tangelo, PJ Mustafer, and Devon Ellis in there. And then I would take Curtis Jacobs off the field. No disrespect to him, but you need to have Luketa and Brooks out there in order to stop the run. I think I think this team can is really going to try to run it down their throat because the secondary is so good. And I know Luketa has his limits, 
But with the secondary that's this good, I think they're going to be able to get away with a lot. So I want to see Penn State sell out to stop the run on every single play. I don't care what down and distance. That is priority one through five is making sure they cannot run it on you. And from there, let Joey Porter Jr., let Jair Brown, let Jaquan Brisker, let Hardy, let TCF, let all of them do what they do best. And that's stop passes in their tracks. That's stop receivers from getting anywhere close to open more often than not. So I think if Penn State's able to play a lot of jumbo, they're going to be fine. And I still think Iowa is going to be able to get theirs, but this could easily be a game to me where, you know, they average realistically something like two yards a carry. And then for some reason, somehow the Iowa running back rips off a huge run and that kind of inflates the stats. And that's a risk you take every time. I think Penn State can get by with that kind of strategy. And with how important I think field position is, if Stout's able to pin them deep, playing with that kind of personnel is going to be such a game changer. Like, sure, you can get to the quarterback. This Iowa offensive line is nothing special, but what's more important to you? Like, trust this secondary. At least I trust this secondary more than I trust the pass rush. And that's saying a lot, uh, considering this is a Penn State football defense we're talking about. So I think the advantage for this is for sure in prize favor. And he's coaching some of the best football of his career right now. So I think if he plays this right, this could be a very, very, very dominant performance that could be equally or even more so impressive than the one we saw last week. So I just can't be too worried about Iowa throwing the football. Last year against Penn State, against a Penn State defense that was just like down in the dump. This was the low point for Penn State season last year. Spencer Petrus, 18 for 186 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, he was sacked something like three times. I believe uh, you look at that and I just don't know if he's going to be able to beat Penn state with his arm. And, you know, he's not like going to kill Penn state with his legs, anything like that. You look to the running game and well, and as you know, a thing that uh, I learned in the pod we did with Ben Lewis is that yes, I was center as an all American caliber offensive lineman. The rest of their line has some major question marks. So like, I like I love the idea that Matt had about Penn State going jumbo and throwing defensive tackles out there. The thing is, I just don't think they really need to do that, in part because I think they've just been so good at stopping the run. And you look at the game last year. Iowa ran the – you take Petrus's uh, scrambles, I mean the times he was sacked, those sorts of things out of it. Iowa ran the ball 39 times and averaged four yards a carry. I don't think they're going to be doing that this weekend. Their long last, funny enough, like their two longest runs last season were of 28 and 25 yards. So like, I don't think Iowa is going. That's disgusting. Yeah. That's terrible. I don't think Iowa is going to be capable uh, of running the ball too terribly much regardless. The one thing that I will say is that the way that this game has uh, this game has been decided in recent years when it is close or when Iowa has looked dangerous in recent years is when it's been body blow, but literally four three point seven five quarters of body blows and keeping it close, and then at the very end, it's they rip one rip a longer play and are able to go for a touchdown. Like I think that twenty seventeen game, that's basically what uh, ended up happening. Uh, 
for me, the big thing here is just when Spence, I don't want to say when, that, that's disrespectful to him. In the event Spencer Petrus makes a mistake or lets you punish him for making a mistake, Penn State has to. If he throws a pass that can be picked off, we've seen it happen a few times this year where balls in the hands, juggled around, drop it, or just something like that. I think Penn State is going to have to do things like that more to take the crowd out of this game. I don't want this being a hostile environment for four quarters because, again, like Iowa just seems like it really feeds off of that. If you can force a fumble, force a fumble, those sorts of things, but – I think the gap between Penn State's defense and Iowa's offense is so vast that that's not going to be a big deal. Penn State, number five in defensive SP+, Iowa, number 72 in offensive SP+. The other side of the football, though, Matt, is what is going to decide this game. Like, I'm not saying anything controversial here. Everyone agrees with this, blah, 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 blah. Special teams. We'll, oh, we'll get to those in a second, big boy. Don't worry. <laughs> I was the number four offense. Actually, you know what? Before we do that, I want to I, I wanna read everyone something I did a little bit of homework on. I was the number, as I mentioned, 72 team in offensive SP+. I am now going to go down a list of teams in the bottom half of college football. So 65th to 130th. In terms of what their offensive, what their ranking is, and what their offensive SP plus ranking is, all of these teams have a better offense by SP plus than Iowa does. Air Force. Oh, can I get, can, can I guess certain teams? Uh, how would we do that? that? That's the only question I have here. Is is Vanderbilt one of them? Uh, no, Vandy is not one of them. Really? They just killed UConn. I was just wondering if Vanderbilt, that somehow boosted up their rankings. You and me could by... kill UConn, Matt. That's true. That's true. So the Sorry. list of teams. You're, you're, you're good. Don't worry about it. Uh, actually, now I want to see where Vandy is. Uh, 124th in offensive SP+. So Iowa, 72 in offensive SP+. Air Force, Missouri, Memphis, Western Michigan, Louisville, Nevada, Western Kentucky, Cal, Wazoo, Duke, Stanford, Tulane, Eastern Michigan, and Charlotte. Those last two teams are outside of the top 100. Iowa's offense has been a beneficiary of Iowa's defense, I would argue, above everything else. Which takes us to Iowa's number four defense versus, you know, scoring defense, I think they're number two, but by SP+, number four defense against Penn State's number 23 offense, This is the entire football game, Matt. Last year, Iowa was able to force, I believe, four Penn State turnovers. I have the box score uh, up right here. I think it was, uh, yeah, four Penn State turnovers, two fumbles, two interceptions. They were able to turn both of those interceptions into uh, points, a, a pick six and a field goal. They were able to take... Uh, one of the Penn State fumbles and turn that into a touchdown. They were able to take the other Penn State fumble and turn that into a touchdown. The touchdown drives off of one fumble, 41 yards. Off of the other drive, 54 yards. Off of 
uh, the interception, 17 yards. Uh, they were able to get a field goal, and then the pick six. It was a 17. It was a 26 yard. Oh wait, no, it was in Iowa territory. So never mind on that. So regardless, I think, and this is the bet that I will make, if Penn State's offense, in terms of being able to generate yardage, can be a four and a half or a five out of 10, but they don't turn the ball over. They have a better chance of winning this game if Penn State's offense is a seven out of 10, but they turn the ball over two or three times. Oh, I absolutely agree. I think that's absolutely a fair assessment. At this point, you're looking for not so much quantity of possessions, but quality of possessions. And that doesn't always mean scoring. Like, that could just mean moving the football and then just giving Stout room to boot it and pin them deep. So I, I completely think that's a very fair assessment. I think if Penn State wants to win this game, moving the ball is going to have to be done through their athletes. And again, I think stopping Jahan is going to be a major priority. So that probably means a lot of screen passes to Parker Washington. It probably means a lot of work catching out of the backfield for the running backs. And it probably means getting the tight ends in one-on-one -on -one coverage against linebackers. I still think the magic number for Jahan touches is probably like somewhere around six, seven, eight in that range. So if he hits that Penn state's in a really good spot, but overall you have to understand that you're not going to move the ball every single time. And if you do, it's going to be through a lot of complementary pieces. So I think that's a really, really good way to put it in that you need to be humming as opposed to roaring on offense for a lot of this game. And, you know, if you probably hit too many of those roars and then turn it over, I, I do agree. I think Penn State will lose the game if that happens. So it's going to be interesting to watch how your such game plans this is going to sound terrible, but you're going to game plan not to lose more than you're going to game plan to win. And that's ugly and gross, but it's what you have to do to get out of Iowa City with the win. Uh, so this season, Penn State is tied for 10th in the nation in turnovers lost. They've turned the ball over three times. Every Penn State fan knows one of those picks was Sean Clifford throwing up a prayer uh, that, you know, he got nuked by uh nuked by someone falls into at the end of a half falls into defender's hands whatever another was we've off of keandre lambert smith's hands hit him right in his hands and he just juggled it and the defensive player took it from him really only one like actual bad throw by sean clifford that got picked off but penn state has not fumbled that is the extent of penn state's turning the ball over turnovers gained iowa's first in the country with 16 they recovered Four fumbles, they have forced 12 interceptions, which is the most in college football. If you are listening to this podcast, you probably have some aware, you're probably pretty aware of how good Iowa is at turning the ball over. They are not good. They are the best team in the country. They've turned the ball over four times themselves, three fumbles, which is an interesting uh, little thing to note. But in terms of turnover margin, they are winning it plus 2.4 per game. That is largely on the strength of a defense that is very good. What we have talked about so much this season, probably more than any other Penn State thing, is that Sean Clifford has been a different quarterback in terms of understanding what the other team is giving him 
in terms of not trying to force anything if it is not there and riding that to points and wins. If that happens again, there is an ex- and if you know, I think Kayvon Lee is probably going to be a back who they rely on pretty heavily in this one. And I like I don't necessarily disagree with that decision. If he doesn't put the ball on the deck, which has been a bit of an issue for him, but if Sean Clifford is able to keep Iowa from getting the football, it's going to be really hard for Iowa to win this game. I think what works in his favor is that Iowa's not going to blitz a ton. They're going to bring four. Penn State's pass protection has been good. I think Clifford's going to have some time to stay on his feet, to look around, to survey the field, to decide whether he's going to throw a run, all those sorts of things. I Can think- I make a book? Yeah, go ahead. ahead. Can I make a bold prediction that's not that bold? Go ahead. Clifford's going to lead the team in rushing by at least 30 yards in this game. Uh, I don't know if by 30 yards is – by 30 yards is the bold part, but I don't think it's necessarily bold that he's going to lead the team in rushing. But we know I was going to do that. We know I was going to try and bait him him into throws. We know Iowa is probably going to bet on the environment speeding him up, which is why I'm glad you mentioned this, Matt. I was going to bring this up. Sean Clifford having gone in there is the thing that gives Penn State a little bit, you know, it I don't want to say neuters, but it lessens some of the impact of what Kinnick can be for a guy. I still think Riley Moss and Matt Hankins are going to, you know, really test uh, Penn State's receivers. I think Zach Van Valkenburg is going to make you know, give some headaches. I don't think he's a guy on that, like, A.J. Evanessa level, but I think he is quite good. And I think their linebacking core, uh, namely Jack Campbell and Seth Benson, are very, very good linebackers who are just going to know where to stand, know how to read plays, do all those sorts of things. So I think ultimately everything's going to come down to whether or not Sean Clifford is able to avoid those kinds of game-changing mistakes. If y'all remember last year's game, Sean Clifford came in when it looked like Will Levitt, you know, when it was obvious Will Levis wasn't getting the job done. First two throws both went for touchdowns. It was a 31-21 game. And then the interception started. And that's when things started to go off the rails. Those are the things he has to avoid. And I think Sean Clifford knows this. And I think he is in a headspace where he is going to be able to avoid it. Uh what do you think I, – I did agree with the point that you made, Matt, about the tight ends. I think Penn State's tight ends are going to be huge, huge in this game. I was going to play a ton, a ton of zone, and I think that Penn State's receivers are going to be pretty good at finding little spaces in it. I actually think having played against Indiana last week is going to help them in that regard because Indiana played plays a lot of cover, too. They're going to take that stuff away over the top. I think having played Wisconsin is going to help prepare them for this because I think Wisconsin does a lot of, you know, stuff where it's you only have little pockets of space you can throw into. I think everything that we've seen this season helps Penn State leading into this game. But having said that, I, I am horrified of what happens if Penn State gets the ball back 3.20 on the clock, 3.30 on the clock, something like that. Iowa has all three timeouts. It is a two-point football game, and Penn State has to try to run out the clock. 
I am not confident in Penn State's ability to run the ball at all in this game. What about yourself? Uh, I'm not at all either. That's kind of why I said I think Clifford has to make his money uh, running the football in this one. Like last week, we saw a lot of Clifford doing a really good job of keeping his eyes downfield on a lot of broken plays and, and finding guys. I think Iowa is going to learn a lot from what Indiana did wrong, and they're going to stick with their guys as long as they can and force Clifford to beat you with his legs. And Clifford's a good runner. He's better than people give him credit for. So um, I, that's why I think Clifford you know, leads the team in rushing and by that insane. I think 30 yards is like the lower end of what he could end up leading it by, uh, mainly because I'm not confident anyone else is going to be able to gain more than like 11 yards total with how – good the Iowa front is and how bad Penn State's interior offensive line has been uh, in run blocking. So that makes me very nervous. That being said, I think the tight ends can be great security, especially if a team runs a lot of cover too. I think tight ends can be such a huge asset, uh, especially with how many dudes they have. I think the Tyler Warren package could be used outside of the goal line in this game just to maybe shake things up a bit. That wouldn't surprise me. So, like you, I would be very nervous if they have to kill the clock, um, like, up two like that. But I don't think it's the biggest ask in the world because I think Yursich can scheme quick passes, like, very low-risk passes. I, I think, is it Clifford or your um, Franklin who has said that they view those screen passes and swing passes as an extension of the run game? I think that concept has to apply to late-game drives in this one. And if they can do that, I think they'll be they'll be okay. That's not where I want to end up, but if it does, I, I don't feel as doom and gloom as I probably would in most other years. Yeah, I, I agree. I the thing that I think about, um, I, the thing I think about like passing is an ex, or screen passes as an extension of the run game is that like those are only effective if the other team doesn't know it's coming. So if like Iowa is able to attack in those situations then I'm a little bit worried, but you know, that's a, I think that's, I don't want to say nitpicking, but that's being scared of a hypothetical that that isn't uh, quite here yet. Um, let's go to X factors. Let's talk about the guys who we think have the potential to change this game. Uh, I think you and I are going to have the exact same answer, Matt. Who is, who is yours? Mine's Jordan Stout. Oh, I wasn't gonna go Jordan Stout. So I'm right. you, you go, you go first, because I have just, I have two guys. I want to hear your reasoning first, though. I don't think Iowa can go have an, a sustained drive against this Penn State defense. I also don't think Iowa has the guys to be able to get big plays against this Penn State defense. So Penn State gets the. We'll say Penn State gets the ball first, uh, first and ten, second and eight, third and seven, incomplete pass. I think Jordan Stout's ability to make it so Iowa starts on in their territory, and not just in their territory, but on their 30, on their 25, where they have to go 60, 70, 80 yards in order to get a touchdown against this Penn State defense, is going to be put them in generally untenable situations. I just do not think Iowa's offense is going to be able to have the kinds of big plays or sustained drives that you need to have. So if Sean Clifford is not turning the ball over, 
I'm not. Go- I'm obviously not going to be happy with a bunch of three and outs and stuff like that. But I will feel confident that Jordan Stout is going to be able to make it so Iowa has to cover so much ground that they are not going to be able to find points out of this football game. Okay, that all makes sense. Um, I was torn between P.J. Mustafer and Ellis Brooks. And I have been an Ellis Brooks stan from the day he got on campus. And he played the best football game of his career the last time Penn State played a team that plays like Iowa. And I think this is the kind of matchup where an offensive player or an offensive play will not be the reason a team wins. I think it's going to be a big turnover or a big stop by a defender. And I'm going to put my chips on Ellis Brooks simply because that play for Iowa is probably going to come in the run game or a pass to a tight end. And that's where Ellis Brooks is going to be more often than not. And he has found himself on the right end of a ton of big plays throughout his Penn State career. So give me Ellis Brooks as the X factor. I think he hits double digits and tackles and I think he's going to force a turnover and that could be humongous for the outcome of this game if he's able to do that. Yeah, I mean, being a, being able to make that kind of big play, someone on that defense is going to have to do it. Someone on that defense is going to be put in a situation where it's it, it's a 13-13 football game. It's a 13-10 football game. Penn State has the opportunity to make the kind of play that makes it so they can get, you know, an inter- insurmountable one-touchdown lead, you know, you know, kind of tongue in cheek there, but that sort of thing. And you're going to have to take advantage of it. So I do like that pick. Uh, let's play fill in the blank for these last couple of segments before we make our predictions. Iowa wins this game if blank. If they cause Penn State to force it, or they force Penn State into at least two turnovers. If they force Penn State to commit at least two turnovers, that can be interception. Those can be fumbles. I'll even say that's muffed punts. Uh, if they t- get two takeaways, I think this one gets out of hand. I won't even go that far. I won't even specifically say turnovers. I'll just say they make Penn State make any kind of mistake. That could mean Penn State is throwing interceptions. That could mean Penn State is fumbling. Yes. What that could also mean is third and two on the, you know, 33-yard line, if they don't get it, it's a field goal that they feel good about Jordan Stout making, and Rasheed Walker false starts. Uh, first and 10, uh, Penn State's able to throw one of those little screen passes, goes for a first down, uh, but Mike Miranda gets hit with a holding, and it's coming back first and 20, and the drive's over at that point. Uh you know, a, one person whiffs on a tackle and a one-yard Tyler Goodson gain turns into a 15-yard Tyler Goodson gain. Those, even on, you know, kickoffs and special teams and stuff like that, it, uh, Jordan Stout sends a kickoff out of bounds and that gives Iowa better field position. Or uh, on a punt return, Penn, Penn State doesn't cover its lanes well enough. Just all those sorts of things. I think James Franklin talks so much about winning the turnover battle. I think the bigger thing here is just winning the mistake battle. Don't commit tons of penalties. Don't 
put yourselves in positions where you are pushing a rock up a hill. Don't put yourselves in a position where you're making Iowa's life easier. If Iowa wins that battle, that one specific battle, I think they win this football game going away. Uh, and then on the other side of it, Matt, Penn State wins if blank. I'm going to go a bit different here. And I'm going to say a, a very specific uh, example. And I'm going to say Penn State wins if they average at least three yards per rush. And that could come out to just a couple of big run plays that inflate the average. But three yards feels like a mile against this Iowa defense, or at least it has for a lot of teams. And I think Clifford can have some big runs. Um, I think he'll help out the average a lot. But if as a whole, this offense gets to three yards a rush, I think that means the passing lanes are going to open up or have been open for a lot of the game. Uh, and I think that leads to a, to a at least at least seven point Penn State win in that regard. Boy, this it says a lot about this game that we we're saying four three yards of carry feels potentially gigantic. But like I, I do does, agree with but you. Doesn't that feel like a mile? I agree. Like can you? I agree. I think a three yard gain on you know second and seven feels like the biggest win you can have against this Iowa defense. Like, no, you're that, you're I, that seems impossible. You're to, right to because. Accomplish. It goes back to the it makes your life a little bit easier thing. Like the difference between third down and seven and third down and four is gigantic. So no, I do like that. I mean, I'm I'm just going to say pretty plainly, Penn State wins if Sean Clifford is the guy that he's been this season. Like if he turns back into a pumpkin, uh, they that's it. Like I'm so, like Penn State is losing this football game, but we also really don't have much of a reason to think that Sean Clifford is going to turn it back into a pumpkin like we think we have reason to believe this is sean clifford and if that guy shows up the guy that walked into wisconsin and once he figured it out looked like a completely different quarterback against a nasty nasty defense the guy who uh didn't you know i'm not saying he has to be perfect like was against auburn but was perfect in the second half against auburn did not put a single foot wrong the guy who was able to get his legs going last week it, as a way to compensate for the fact that he wasn't perfect throwing the football. If that guy shows up, Penn State's winning this football game. Like I am making it that plain and clear. Sean Clifford plays like the Sean Clifford we have seen this season and not like the other Sean Cliffords that we have seen. And Penn State wins this game. And I let, I'm glad, again, you mentioned the fact that he's been in this building twice, once as a starter, Matt, because I think that is potentially huge. I, I mean, a little, a fun thing to note here. Penn State lost last year against Iowa. Before that, Penn State had not lost to Iowa since 2010. They beat them in 2011. They beat them in 2012, beat them in 2016, beat them in 2017, beat them in 2018, beat them in 2019, lost last season. That's the other X factor that I will say. Uh, I think James Franklin knows this game. I think this gets back to the fact that he is best in games where he knows exactly what he and his team need to do. And he has probably spent all week drilling that into their heads. And I don't know about you, but like, I just think this is a game where James Franklin is going to have his team in the best possible situation, like more so than any other game. Cause again, he knows exactly what's going to happen in this game. What do you say about that? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it's going to come down to his guys understanding where they fit on a level that they frankly just didn't have in 2020, which is why they lost uh, so badly in, in, in my opinion. 
yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with that. Let's get into picks. Uh, prediction for this one, Matt. I'm going to have you go first. Um, I think we're both pro. Well, like we said, uh, total 41 spread, Iowa one and a half. That means the assumed score is something like 21-20 Iowa, which is about right. Uh, that, that's where Penn that's State's too, that's, that's too many points. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah. What, what, what's, what say you? 16-14 Iowa. I, I, I've said for, for weeks now, this Penn State team is a loss in there somewhere. I, at Iowa, with a team that doesn't make mistakes, especially defensively, I think it's going to be very hard for Penn State to move the football with any regularity. And I know they had that trouble with Wisconsin, and then they got big plays. I don't think this Iowa team is going to let up nearly as many big plays. So I think it's gross. I think it's not fun. Uh, and I think, honestly, I think Iowa hits it on a walk-off field goal uh, to get the 16-14 win. It just feels like that kind of game for me. Uh, I forgot to mention, SP Plus predicts Penn State winning 24-20, to which is uh, which I find interesting. Uh, to Too many me, points. Yeah, nobody's breaking 20 in this one. That's way too many points. Well, it's funny because I my prediction is, you know, and this is basically just because I have so little trust in Iowa's offense uh, predicting Penn State 20 to 17. But I also think that because this game is required to have weird scores, you have to take one point off of both. So Penn State 19, Iowa 16. Um, Ultimately, I just like I can't put myself in a headspace where I think Iowa scores enough points. Uh, I still think that they're a nice football team, but like uh, not nice. I think they're a really good football team. I think this is a really ugly football game, but I believe in the Sean Clifford that we have seen this season. And I think he makes just enough plays against this Iowa's defense and Jahan Dotson makes just enough plays against this Iowa's defense and the tight ends make just enough plays that Penn State's going to be able to come out on top in a game that neither of us are going to like watching that. I am not excited for this. No, not in the slightest. Uh, I'm happy that Penn State has a bye week after this because this is going to, (laughs) all of us are going to need a break after this weekend. Uh, And I'm very excited that the bye week comes after this one. I, I am inclined to agree. Uh, and just while we're here, uh, FPI gives Iowa a 59% chance of winning and Penn State a 41% chance of winning. But uh, listen, if Penn State wins this game, this next these next couple of weeks are going to be jubilant. If they lose, well, we'll see how they lose before we uh, make any uh, proclamations about that. Uh, any, any final things, Matt, that you would like to say about this episode of the pod? Uh, Kinnick is scary. Uh, Big Ten, mm-hmm. please stop making us play Iowa for some weird reason because uh, it's happening too often. Just fix the divisions, man. Like, I'm fine with – I wouldn't hate playing Iowa if Penn State was in their division. But, like, the fact that it's every single year, uh, like, I get it. But at this point, just like make Penn State and Iowa, put them in the same division, put one of Ohio State or Michigan in that division, like – just shake them up, man. You know, we, that's what we got to do at this point. It's like, it is very funny to me as a Penn State fan that uh, Penn State's division is the best or second best in college football this year. 
and their cross division games include one against the number three team in the country. Like it's it, 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 it's very silly. If you could put uh, if you can make two trades for teams, Matt, to sw- switch up the divisions, what would they be? Um, so I could trade somebody out of the East and send them to the West. Yeah. Uh, I would go with Northwestern. I want Northwestern in the East, so I would trade them with Michigan State. Uh, I think it's more fun uh, when close schools like that are like cross-division rivals as opposed mm-hmm. to like playing every year. I think that's kind of boring. Yeah. So give me Northwestern. Uh, go Cats. And then give me Minnesota. I would like to play Minnesota more. They play, Penn State and them play for a trophy that should be played, uh, if not on an annual basis, at least every other year. So I, and I'll, swap I would, the, I'll swap them out with Rutgers because uh, Rutgers in Nebraska being in the same division is very funny to me. I would uh, I would trade the Michigan schools for Iowa and Minnesota. Just like it, it doesn't make sense geographically, but I think that just gives a little bit more balance to the divisions. But at the same time, like you can't really do that because then you might get back-to-back weeks of Ohio State, Michigan, and the Big Ten title game. So we'll we'll figure that out later. Uh, any final things to say about this game, Matt, before I, uh, before I wrap it up? Uh, that's all I got. Enjoy the game. Uh, if you're going, have fun. Uh, I've never mm-hmm. been to Kinnick, but I've been to Iowa City, and it is one of my favorite uh, college towns. It's very Penn State-esque, uh, but in Iowa and yellow. So I like Iowa City. I, it, gets a, it gets an A-plus from me as a whole as a college town. It seems like a great place. Again, I hope if you're going, you have a great time, uh, and I hope you get to see a Penn State win. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. As always, make sure you're subscribing wherever you go and get your podcast. If you use Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. Uh, please keep reading and supporting the site. Best way to do that is to make sure you're buying some T-shirts. Make sure you're following us on all of our various social media channels. Penn State wins. We're going on Twitter spaces after the game. We're having a real good time. Uh, one last time. Thank you very much for listening to this dish of Roar Lions Radio. For Matt Filipovitz, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. I'm not confident Kirk Ferentz could open a PDF.